Well, we're getting near the end, close to the end anyway, of our series on Elisha. Just looking at a few more of his miracles. Um, and it kind of turns into like a, many sermons within a sermon sometimes, looking at these the truths of some of the miracles. Um, but I want to look at, at two more this morning. And the first one is a healing. Now, it's kind of interesting. It's Actually, it's kind of unique in Scripture because you might say, well, healing isn't unique in Scripture, but this kind is because it's not a person who was healed. It was a meal that was healed. And God, or through Elisha, healed a meal. Um, but it was a meal that the prophets were going to eat. And, of course, the backstory is that there was a famine. So they really needed this meal. They were probably hungry prophets. Um, and Elisha was among them and and said, well, let's go and find some nice, fresh ingredients and we'll cut it up and make a stew. Um, that always sounds good, a nice stew, right? It'll make you hungry. Your stomach's to growl during church, but uh, you know, go f- find some ingredients. And so they went out into the field and they gathered some fresh herbs and different things to, that could be put into the into the stew. There was a problem, though. One of the prophets was not very knowledgeable about vegetables and different herbs and what's out there and what's good for you and what's not good. And he just saw something that, hey, that might, I think that's going to be good in a stew. And so he got it and chopped it up and tossed it in. And no one really realized what he put in there. Well, someone did. But because as they were, I don't know if it was as they were eating it or about to eat, someone said, there's death in the pot. They realized, maybe they saw something floating up and said, oh, no, that's not good for us. Right? And so there was something deadly it says he found the fruit of a wild vine. He cut up a whole lap full of it and tossed it in the pot. And so someone recognized that. And they were in a tough situation. Now, if someone had already eaten it, they were in a really tough situation. Uh, of course, the, the other part of that is they would have no dinner because it was spoiled because someone put something poisonous in there. So the prophet recognizes, well... God is going to intervene. And so he says, take some meal, some flour, and put it into the pot. And they'll be eaten. They can eat it. And the whole meal was healed. And they were strengthened. Now that can have some, yeah, it's kind of an interesting story, a unique story of how God chose to heal that pot of stew. And, it, and I'm sure the prophets were very glad, especially the ones who had tasted it beforehand to see if it was good. You know, they were saying, Whew, we're okay. But, you know, it kind of speaks to us in our walk with God is the enemy has one objective, one desire. He wants to seek to poison our walk with God. He wants to try and slip in things that will be detrimental to us. And it doesn't even have to be a lot. I mean, a lot of us know that, you know, it only takes a little bit of something poisonous to affect us. Only a little bit to affect our bodies and so forth. And the enemy knows if he could just get a little bit of bitterness in us, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of offense or fear or, you know, we can all have struggle with different things, so we can all fill in the blank of something that might, you know, 
relate to us or something we've struggled with in the past. But if the enemy can get that in us and we, it gets it by our guard and gets it into the pot and then it's kind of, you know, after the fact, it's kind of hard to, to address that without God. Well, it's hard anyway without God, but, but it can cause our spiritual life to become sour and bitter and eventually it can bring spiritual death. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, it says, Keep, or as it means in the Hebrew, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so we are to jealously guard and protect our heart from foreign entities trying to get in there. The seeds the enemy would plant, the weeds, you know, that's another illustration. You could say he likes to plant stuff and we don't realize it till it grows up and you know, thankfully, when it's when it's young, it's a lot easier to deal with because with God's grace, he can guide us to just pluck that up. Poison, I guess, is a little different. There's some things that if they get in there, they cause a lot of destruction. And so that's what God is bringing out in this place. But the enemy loves to try and put things in us, in our hearts. And that's why it's so important to watch ourselves, to guard ourselves. Because the state of our heart determines our spiritual and eternal life. And sometimes we can suffer from these things, right? Things can come in. We can feel discouraged or downcast or fearful or angry and frustrated. And and sometimes it's like, why did this come on me? I was having a good day or I was, you know, doing well. And Man, now I'm just suffering with all these feelings and emotions and thoughts and, and, and such. And sometimes you, you think back and it's like, what did I allow in? What did I think about? What did I say? What did I let enter in to my spirit that caused this? You know, in the scriptures, we're, in this example, we're looking at things that, that entered into the prophet's mouths. But, you know, in the spiritual realm... It doesn't necessarily come in our mouth. It enters our spirits, usually through our mind. Well, it can come through our eyes and ears and such, but it passes through the gate of our mind. And so it deals with our thought life and what we meditate upon. You know, you can have an illustration that you can relate it to is, you know, some people have food allergies and, um, you know, like dairy or gluten or MSG and, and, all of a sudden you feel rotten and it's like, Oh man, what passed through? What did I eat that I didn't realize had something in it? You know, we've got a, a pastor friend who's allergic to MSG and we're like, would you like to go to this restaurant or that restaurant? Well, do they have MSG? I don't know. There's only one restaurant that's like really safe that we can take him to, you know, because he's allergic to MSG. And so, and he doesn't know until after the fact he's, he has these terrible headaches and, and some people can like, Oh, what did I, Oh, it must have been that Chinese food, MSG. (laughs) But it can be the same in our spiritual lives as we can suffer with things and we just have to think back, what did I do? What did I let in? What did I say? What have I been thinking about? And sometimes you just have no clue and you cry out to God, Lord. And, you know, that's happened to me before more often than I'd like to say. As I, you know perhaps feel upset or discouraged and don't even know why. And I have to go to the Lord, Lord, what, what's going on here? What's affected me? What, what is this? And, you know, God's so gracious, he'll 
bring back to my remembrance something I thought about, something I allowed in, something that needs to be dealt with. And we can go to God and say, oh, Lord, just wash that from me. Cleanse me. Heal me. And, you know, that's the heart of God. He wants to cast in his healing and make us whole so that we can be nourished and become strong. But I I also want to look at what performed the healing. What was it that caused this healing for the prophets? Because Elisha said, put a little meal, a little flour into the stew. And a flour in itself in the natural has no healing properties. It's it's just carbs, right? <laughs> but it healed. It made him made whole. Now, carbs won't make us whole. Well, they'll make us, you know, <laughs> depending on how much you like them. But but of course there's a spiritual meaning to that, right? Because meal can represent the word of God. His word working in our lives. And, and so in a sense, what brings healing into our lives, into our spirits, to our emotions, is when we allow the word of God entrance into us. And sometimes we have to cry out, Lord, would you speak? And then he speaks, and then we have to flow with that word. We have to align ourselves. And sometimes God will speak to us and say, well, you know what, you're not aligned to me in this area, and that's what's causing the trouble. And if you'll come back under my word, things will settle. There'll be healing. Meal will come into the pot and that poison will be taken care of. It'll be removed. It'll be healed. Psalm 107 and verse 20 says, He sent his word and he healed them. Delivered them from their destructions. There's a lot of dangers in the world. There's a lot of afflictions. You know, try as we might, even in the natural, you know, we can wash our hands 20 times a day. We can cover our mouths and try to avoid germs, but we're going to get sick eventually. And sometimes in the spirit, it's the same way. Just being in the world and the enemy being around us, what is going to make the difference? He sent his word and he healed them. And he set them free. He delivered them from their destructions. And sometimes it's our destructions. Sometimes it's the enemy who's bringing his destructions. Sometimes we make, we make our, we're our own worst enemy. But God said he sent his word and he healed. And so we need the word of God. You know, I firmly believe he is always speaking words of life. He's always speaking. But are we hearing? Are we listening? Are we open to his word? You know, he longs to work within us and bring his healing power in our hearts. He wants to nourish and transform us through his word. Now, of course, the ultimate representation of of this meal is the meal offering. Christ became the meal offering for us. He was bread that was broken for us. And you know, in the tabernacle, the meal offering was made of fine flour and mixed with oil and frankincense. And it really speaks of a divine work being done in our lives, in our hearts. It actually speaks about us becoming the Word of God, that our lives being transformed. And of course, we know that there's a lot that goes in with the bread-making process. Here, I might make you more hungry again. You know. But, you know, 
when you think about the work being done in us, well, it has to be ground and crushed, has to be threshed, it has to be baked. Ooh, not super pleasant, you know. It's pleasant to eat it, but not pleasant to be made like it. But, you know, when we are made like it, there's great power to be made, made into that fine flour because it does it brings the work that healing it brings that nourishment and so god is saying to us he wants to do that in our lives but he also wants to make us into that and we can be conveyors of his healing into the lives of others conveyors of the life of the spirit because the word of god is working mightily in us and through us now, there was another situation. Um, it's actually dealing with food again and bread. But there was, Elisha was also with a hundred of the prophets. And someone was bringing a nice gift uh, to the prophet. He must have thought, well, Elisha will appreciate this, this wonderful gift. And he brought 20 loaves of barley bread and some corn. Now, it's probable that they were still in the famine. And so... Uh, people were bringing Elisha food and, and so forth. But the thing is, is he had a hundred men with him and how could he eat that himself and have a hundred of the prophets go hungry? But he, he says it kind of in an interesting way. He says to the man who was trying to bless him and brought it, he said, give it to the prophets, give it to everyone. And he looked at the loaves and now 20 loaves is, is a lot, but with a hundred people, you do the math that's breaking it up into a, like a little piece and everyone just, you know, not really enough to satisfy hunger. And so he went to the prophet and said, it's not enough. It's not enough for everyone. But Elisha says, it will be sufficient. And in fact, you're going to have some left over. Okay. So I don't know if, he had, if, the, if that guy had faith, but he was obedient. And he passed it out and I don't that much, I would like to see that guy maybe in heaven we could see it as he like breaks bread and hands it to someone and he, I don't know does he come back and it's whole again or he, or he hands him out of the basket a loaf and that it never ends probably something like that he I had 20 loaves so it must have been a basket the never ending basket of bread and to see his eyes is wow there's it's, it's not going down and so that miracle was of provision and multiplication. Of course, this is the forerunner to the miracles that Christ performed, except he didn't perform it to hundreds, he performed it to thousands. But here it was for a hundred of the prophets, 100 prophets, those who were like disciples following God. I think that's, and what jumped out to me here is that even though it's to a smaller number, it was to those who were following God. And what really jumped out to me is that the bread that this man brought, it was the first fruits of the harvest. This bread was the first fruits. Basically, the first fruits is the first thing the harvest produces. And that was always set aside and given to God. And so this, this man said, here's my first fruits. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to the prophet of God. And God really used it and multiplied it when it was faithfully given. And so there's a couple of important things to 
we can see from this, the first is that there's a natural and practical meaning for us, is that we give our first fruits in the natural through our tithes and offerings. We give it to God, and it's a recognition. Lord, you've given me everything I have, so I'm giving back to you. So that because I want to recognize and honor that you're my provider. You know, it's a natural act, but it's an act of faith, and it brings blessing. Of course, what we really look at the first fruits is that it speaks about what God wants to do in our lives, what he wants to make us. In Deuteronomy 18, it's talking about the Levites, how they responded to God. And how God had a plan for them because of how they made that response. It says, Deuteronomy 18, 1 and 2 says, The priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offering of the Lord made by fire and, and his inheritance. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among the brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he has said unto them. And so the Lord reserved this whole tribe of Levi as his first fruits. They were his. Instead of the Lord using the firstborn of all the different tribes, the Lord said, well, the Levites are my firstborn. I'm, I'm using them. And they were a little different. You know, all the other tribes got some nice land, right? They got the fields and they got to, to say, this is our inheritance here. The Levites didn't get any of that. They were scattered throughout all Israel. But God said, don't worry, Levites, I'm going to give you a better inheritance. Me. You're my inheritance. That's a pretty good exchange, I would think, because it's eternal. And though there's a, a reason for this, right? Because we know Levi, the, the whole tribe of Levi, they responded when God asked a question, who was on the Lord's side? And they, as a tribe, responded when there were many people in Israel that had turned to wickedness and just in just a moment, they turned back to idolatry. And God said, who was on the Lord's side? And they stood for God. They responded when God called and they became the first fruit unto God. But in a way, that represents the pathway or the calling of all believers, that we have the, the, the different options in life, right? There's kind of two ways we can view life. We can view the natural of having a nice life here on earth. Now, it's not bad to have a pleasant life on earth. God wants us to have a pleasant life. But when it consumes us, and that's all we think about, our life here on earth, that's the problem. What God desires us to have is to have our eyes on the life to come, our eyes upon Jesus and upon his kingdom and upon the growth of his kingdom and upon this kingdom being translated into the lives of other people. You know, I love that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, because it, one of the lyrics are, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what I'm long for. Lord, I want, even though I'm living here, I want the things of earth to grow dim. And I want the things of your kingdom to become a reality, to become brighter 
and brighter. I don't want my view of life to grow brighter and brighter. I want your kingdom to become brighter and brighter and more of a reality in my life. I can't stand it when this world is more of a reality and consumes my thoughts and my, my focus and so forth and not the kingdom of God. But you know, the first fruits unto God, they're consumed with his kingdom, consumed with doing his will. You know, Paul said that about some of the, some of his folks, one of his churches, he said, they're addicted to serving God. They're addicted to serving God. You know, they, they had a point of view that consumed them in serving, you know, they served others. And in doing that, they were serving God. And that's what God is, desires in us. To turn our hearts to him in such a degree that the things in this life, they used to shine brightly for us, but they grow dim. They lose their luster because we just want Jesus and to please him. You know, that, that's supernatural. And when that happens, it does a supernatural work within us when we follow him in this way. James 1 and verse 18 says, Of his own will he begat us with his word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He's called us to be a first fruits of his creation. Well, if he's called us to be a first fruits, we know what a first fruit is. It's someone who's consumed with doing God's will. They put God first. He is their number one desire. The, the things of this world have grown dim and his glory are their chief purpose in life. God wants to bring us to that place, to make us into that people who live for him and his kingdom. The result of that life is multiplication, is increase, is blessing for others. You know, we have a calling Our calling is this in Matthew 28 and verse 19. I'm going to read this from the ESV. It says, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We're to go throughout all the earth and make disciples. Well, Jesus said, or I should say James said, we are called to be first fruits. We're called to reproduce that. Right? The first fruits was given to the prophets, to the disciples, to those who are following him. The wonderful truth is that multiplication comes through the first fruits of God. Those who have given themselves because they desire a greater inheritance in God and his kingdom because the things of this earth have grown strangely dim and we're consumed with the light of his glory and grace. You know, that's God's heart for us. That's what he wants to do. In fact, you know, I think this revival in the last days is going to be so different than what has ever happened in the past because it's going to, God is going to use his first fruits. He's not just going to use anyone, but his first fruits. Those who they, they are consumed with doing his will, those who are consumed with the kingdom of God, 
being increased in their lives and in the lives of others. And so we've seen these two miracles that God wants to heal and to nourish his people. And that's his, his heart and his desire. He wants to make us whole. He wants to make us into, uh, into his disciples who come unto him. He can heal anything that we're dealing with, any poison that the enemies try to get into our lives, slip into our spirits or our souls. He can deal with it. He wants to use his meal. He wants to send his word and heal us. As we receive and submit to his word, he'll make us whole. And as we walk in his way, respond to his call and keep our eyes upon him, the things of this earth will grow dimmer and his kingdom will go brighter and brighter under the perfect day as we follow him. He'll make us into his first fruit, bread that's broken but multiplied. God always broke the bread first. Then it was multiplied. And so by his grace, may we walk in that pathway of being bread for him. But then we become the first fruits, and the Lord is our inheritance. And Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your plan for us, for it is so good. And Lord, we just cry out to you that, Lord, we would have eyes for you for what you want to do, Lord, and that you would, you would just come and, Lord, even identify any areas in our lives that need your healing. Lord, or any areas where we're misaligned to your word or where your word needs to come in and be effective in us. Lord, we just cry out to you that you would come afresh and you would work. And Lord, do that work of your word. Cause your word to work mightily within us. And that, Lord, our eyes would be set upon you and upon your kingdom. Let your kingdom become so real in our hearts and in our lives, we ask. And we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.